Hello, and thank you once again for tuning in to QC Uncut. I am Sean Leary, your host. Um, today's episode, we have Dylan Parker with us. Dylan, multifaceted individual and a fascinating man. He dubs himself Mr. Rock Island. Hashtag Mr. Rock Island. Um, he, Dylan is running for 5th Ward Alderman here in the city of Rock Island. We're meeting here in lovely Theo's Java Hut in, down, in the downtown. Um, you also were a representative for Bernie Sanders, um, went to Washington, and he also runs one of uh, the coolest um, local entertainment venues, a very small venue, but nevertheless significant one called Garage 3. So we're going to hit upon all those subjects and a whole lot more in today's episode of QC Uncut. And once again, I'm Sean Leary, and this is Dylan Parker. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Cool. Now, let's start off with your run for Alderman. Um, what led you to do this, and what in particular is your overarching vision for the city and you know things that you want to accomplish if you are elected Alderman? Sure. So I moved to Rock Island uh, six or so years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of those rare breeds that was living, I grew up in Davenport, I lived my whole life in Davenport, Uh and I decided, hey, what are they doing over there in Rock Island? That looks pretty cool. Uh So I decided I want to move over here. Um, I moved over here, and about two, three years ago, I bought a home in the Broadway Historic District Mm -hmm. of of Rock Island here in Ward 5, and I started getting really involved with uh, my community here in Mm -hmm. in Rock Island. Um, That's one of the main reasons that I wanted to live here, is because how involved the community is the citizens are in the city of Rock Island. It's, it's unique. There's yeah. no other place in the Quad Cities where normal citizens pay as much attention to what's going on in their community I as agree. we do here in yeah. Rock Island. So, um, so as I was getting involved in uh, Broadway Historic District Association, Rock Island Preservation Society, different organizations, I started, I started hearing this sort of storyline that mm-hmm. we used to have in Rock Island, this, this municipal government that was very much transparent, working with the community, uh, creating bridges between different parts of the community. Uh, and lately, it has been quite the opposite. Right. Um, and so I, as a fan of community organizing, um, I said, well, why, why, are, why is it that way? What's going on? And how can we change it where our municipal government becomes the the leader that it was in involving citizens in the decision-making process for our city. Mm-hmm. So that's where it all came from, is me just being in the, in the church basements at neighborhood club meetings, mm-hmm. you know, talking to everybody and just saying, well, why is everybody talking about the glory days? Mm-hmm. And what are we doing not pursuing that now? I mean, right. let's not reminisce here. Right. Let's really pursue what we want in the city of Rock mm-hmm. Island. Um, and so I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so leading into that, my over, overarching idea for the city of Rock Island is a lot of it's really quite structural. Um, I have some bullet point ideas of things I'd like to do. You can check them out on my website. But, Which is? Uh, Parker4Fifth.org. Okay. P- yeah, Parker4Th.org. And you're also on Facebook at? Mr. Rock Island. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, so... So, yeah, so, but the idea is that we need to make basic changes. We need, uh, so part of my candidacy for running for Fifth Ward Alderman is mm-hmm. I'm going to different city boards and commissions meetings, right? The Parks Board, the Preservation Commission, you know, the, all the different citizen advisory boards and commissions. Mm-hmm. 
half of them I'm going to aren't even meeting. And most of them don't meet because there's nothing on the agenda. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what, what do you mean there's nothing on the agenda? I, I've, I went to a planning commission meeting, or I attempted to. They had to cancel the meeting because there was nothing on the agenda. And what we should be meeting and planning, you know, that's one example. And I'm not... Now, why is there nothing on the agenda? Did you find out why? Is it something... Is it a case in which there really was nothing going on? Or was it a case in which there were things going on, but they were doing so behind the scenes and weren't doing so in public? Uh, it was the case that there was nothing actually going on. Okay. And, and the, the, the idea that's been going on is, well, the planning commission... And this is just one small part of it all. But the planning commission is, is meeting only to address when when problems related to planning come up. You know, Mm -hmm. if somebody wants to move their garage three feet this direction, then the planning commission will meet and address it. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as proactive planning or or revisiting the plans, I mean, the Broadway, my neighborhoods has an official city plan. Mm -hmm. I I think it was in like 1998 that it was when it was developed. What what have we done with that plan? Has anybody gone back and said, hey, where are we on these benchmarks? You know, Mm -hmm. here, here was the the plan or the downtown revitalization plan mm-hmm. where are we with that right. we spent a lot of money on getting this fancy you know fancy dancy plan mm-hmm. is anybody pursuing you know following up on right. this you can't just sit back and say this is our idea and then have nobody pursue it or continue or check back on it and mm-hmm. so uh it's my idea that perhaps the planning commission when there is nothing to really address like moving a garage perhaps we should be checking up on these plans or revisiting them updating them changing them whatever now that's one small example but the reality is we've had a city government that has not really been that interested in appointing people to boards and commissions we have a lot of vacancies on these boards and commissions we have the rock island advanced technology and sustainability consortium which was a great idea. Mm-hmm. We should be the pioneers of green living here in Rock Island. We have a municipal hydroelectric power plant. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows about that. Right. Why not? We should right. be, you know, hey, if you care about the environment, live in Rock Island because we are pursuing that sort of stuff here. Did, did you by any chance listen to my conversation with Terry Brooks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that was one of the of the four mayoral candidates, and I liked all four of the mayoral candidates. Um, the one that I spoke with the most in regard to green, um, a green future for Rock Island was was Terry Brooks. Right, and we had this advanced technology and sustainability consortium, mm-hmm. um, and then basically municipal. From what I understand, municipal leadership um, weren't that interested in pursuing it. Said, "Well, what's the big deal with this?" And sort of. You know, if, if you don't have a strong leadership, then fewer and people come to the meetings and eventually nobody comes at all. It just right. gets forgotten. And now it's, it's completely off the city's website. It's like it doesn't exist. Right. But it does. Well, I mean, I don't know if it does or doesn't exist, but it should. And that's my point is if we have vacancies to these citizen advisory boards and commissions, mm-hmm. appoint people to them. Right. I'm not going to do anything if elected unless there's people, actually citizens, appointed to these things and and doing, you know, being a part of the process. That's, that's, I think, a big outcry that I'm hearing from the citizens of Rock Island is there's very limited involvement by the, you know, the rank-and-file citizens of Rock Island. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to turn that on its head. I think, I think that city leadership should be involving and actually listening to their constituents, not having a public hearing, you know, hey, yes, let's, let's hear your ideas, and then not do anything about it you know i mean they're putting on the show as if they're listening but 
I don't think anybody's actually has any intention on changing their idea of what they want to do mm-hmm. once they've made their decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my vision for the city of Rock Island or for Ward 5 is we, we need to open up. We need to become transparent. There, there's entirely too much uh, use of closed session meetings um, where... You know, nobody's knowing what's going on. And, right. and I don't think there's any explicit, you know, bad practice going on here. It's not like any, I don't believe in any sort of conspiracy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just bad habit. You know, right. it's just bad practice. It's not pursuant to the ideals that I would like to pursue of transparency, of involvement, of listening to one another. And that's mm-hmm. what we need to do more here as a municipal government. Now, what are the borders of um, Ward 5? So Ward 5 goes from the river up to 18th Avenue, mm-hmm. and then from 17th Street over to 30th Street. Okay. So it's pretty much pretty much all of downtown, and then the neighborhoods of Greenbush, um, Broadway, uh, up by the, the old Audubon School area, um, areas that, around that area is Ward mm-hmm. 5. Now, what are the um, goals that you would have as aldermen, and what do you think are the biggest concerns for that particular ward? Well, for that particular ward, downtown is, yeah, a, is, right. a, is a pretty we'll big one. That, yeah. yeah, no. Um, uh, as, as far as the other parts of the ward, so it's besides the massiveness that is downtown, mm-hmm. they're all residential neighborhoods and they're all, you know, working class neighborhoods, um, diverse neighborhoods, below the hill neighborhoods, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, sure. below the hill. Um, the biggest concerns, in my opinion, is empowering these neighborhoods um i am lucky enough that i live in a very well organized and you know we're the oldest um neighborhood in or organized neighborhood whatever in the city of rock island Mm -hmm. i'm lucky in that sense i live in a community where we we communicate well and not that other neighborhoods don't but you know there's a real organization in place Mm -hmm. and it allows us to actually have a say in our government Mm -hmm. you know when when something that affects Broadway is brought up with the city municipal government, we have a vehicle through our organization to discuss it right. with our leadership. I want to do that with Greenbush. Greenbush has had some efforts to try to organize into an official neighborhood. I want to help them out. I've been communicating with uh, somebody in that neighborhood right now and saying, hey, how can I help? Let's do this. Let's, let's build this neighborhood. Meet when you guys meet and let me come. Let me talk. You know, help you out. Um, let's do that for Greenbush up in the Audubon neighborhood. You know, that was a source of a lot of political tension with the old Audubon school. Um, you know, perhaps citizens could have been more involved in that decision making or, or what to do with it now. You know, there's a very large green space next to the brand new CVS. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure who owns that, but would the neighborhood up there like something put there? Would you like a dog park? You know, uh, uh, just a, a neighborhood park put there. I mean, it's a massive green space. I imagine somebody owns it. But, you know, hey, neighborhoods, mm-hmm. let's, let's organize. Let me help you organize. And then what you need can be brought to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, I do not propose that I know all of the answers, that I, that I have all of the secret keys to how to fix everything, nor do I know everything of what everybody wants. But I am dedicated to the idea that if I'm able to structurally create a system in which neighborhoods and blocks and individual families and homes are able to organize and voice their ideas, thoughts, concerns to me, Mm -hmm. then we'll, you know, 
will be living up to our standards of democracy and representative government, mm-hmm. especially on the local level. I mean, I live in this neighborhood. I go to the neighborhood meetings. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Well, I think, I think that that's important, too, that communication. Um, and it, it's funny because having, you know, interviewed all four of the mayoral candidates here in Rock Island for this show, QC Uncut, um, and I've talked to all of them, and people have asked me, well, who are you going to vote for? And I don't know. I mean, honestly, I've talked to all of them, and you've listened to all the podcasts. All of them are, I, they're all good men. Um, I think they're all good candidates. They just have different, slightly different visions. I think some of them share a lot of the same visions. But the thing is, is that whoever wins, I would hope that they would reach out to the other three candidates because all of them have good ideas. And that's what's important is reaching out and recognizing that not any one person owns all of the good ideas in the world for anything, you know, being open to listen to other people uh, because they might have a good idea too. They might have something that you can implement. And I think that that's, what's important in regard to listening to these conversations and listening to what these people have to say, because, you know, whoever wins, I think it would behoove them to recognize not only the, you know, valid opinions and suggestions of their fellow candidates, but also those people in the community as well. You never know. Somebody might have 99 bad ideas, but that one good idea might be fantastic. And speaking of that, let's talk about the big, huge thing that everybody wants to talk about, and that is the the Walmart situation. And let's get... Before we go into downtown, we'll get your opinion on what happened with the Walmart situation. And again, as always, I asked all of the mayoral candidates that because everybody sure. wants to know about that. Yeah. What are your feelings in regard to the what happened with the Walmart situation? What do you feel went wrong? What do you think went right? What do you do now moving forward? Because that's the real question is how do you learn from the mistakes of the past and how do you change those things going forward? Well, what went right with the situation, I think, I mean, as everybody said in all those podcasts and everybody's going to say, you know, that part of town needs some economic revitalization. Oh, yeah, I think we all agree. Um, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And so the focus is good. The, the, the intention is good. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody's going to come out and say I'm against jobs sure. per se, you right. know. Um, I'm against building a fancy new, new place to... Um, to spur economic revitalization um i so the biggest thing with the 11th street redevelopment that i have criticized in the past and would continue is just the way in which it went about the lack of communication lack of um you know discussion with the community what's going on and i think we really i mean it without getting into too broad of of philosophy or whatever here um it really brings into question what we think about this notion of of retail development. Mm-hmm. You know, every single candidate is nonstop harping about retail, retail, retail. Mm-hmm. We need to build retail. We need to re- build retail. And admittedly, yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to just raise property taxes and raise property taxes yeah. and tax everybody to death. But, um, you know, I don't know if there was anybody that was thinking, hey, what is this going to do to the neighborhood? Or, you know, what is this going to do to the actual citizens that live in the west end of Rock Island? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, everybody kept on saying this, ah, oh, 400 jobs, as, right. if, as if that's, 
magically going to fix everything. Right. But I, I think that's a little naive, and I think that's a little um, ignoring perhaps the more peripheral effects that that could have mm-hmm. um, to just try to get the, as you know, as we were talking about, get the soundbite of 400 jobs, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. Um, you know, you plop Walmart down, and they were even planning, you know, they were hoping that, well, then a steak and shake's going to show up, and then sure. everybody else right. is going to show up, and, you know, yeah, fine, we could have a really great um, uh, retail area, shopping center over on 11th Street if we want, mm-hmm. um, but what does that do to the neighborhood? How much of that neighborhood do we want to have left after that shows up? Mm -hmm. Um, And it really brings in big discussions and big ideas of do you pursue, as a municipal government, do you pursue necessarily just, and this is what we've been doing, Mm -hmm. is pursuing nothing but trying to expand that tax base. I mean, the the current mayor is all he's talking about is we need to expand the tax base uh, with with sales tax, you Mm -hmm. know. and that's one idea, and certainly we should, as a city, try to expand the tax base. But there's the other side of this, of what is the quality of life that we are providing for our residents, you know? Um, does it really increase the quality of your living mm-hmm. by having a giant Walmart next door to your home? And, you know, that's to be debated. Again, I do not suggest that I know all of those answers. Mm-hmm. But I think that that was a huge huge aspect of the conversation that was just completely omitted if not actively ignored mm-hmm. you know i mean we just wanted to tell everybody that we weren't going to raise your taxes right uh without actually thinking about what is this going to actually do to your living you know day to day everybody likes to complain about taxes or to focus on sure. taxes and admittedly that's i mean it's bread and butter you know i mean if you have to pay your taxes it's gonna affect what you can buy for your family Mm -hmm. but also you know what what does it do to your quality of life what is it what is it like when you step outside your door what what do you see when you walk around your neighborhood Mm -hmm. um and i think that was a really big issue that Mm -hmm. they left out and i would have liked to more thoroughly vetted that issue regarding walmart right now that said that that area is zoned for retail yeah. It has been retail in the past. Yeah. So what do you feel moving forward the city should pursue in regard to a retail outlet or multiple outlets to fill that need? Right. Well, yeah. So there is the reality of now we have this beautifully prepared right. site, you know, shovel ready, as, as everybody likes to say. And, and that's fine. Um, I think before anything else, we have to make sure that we are patient and intelligent about that. You know, we don't just because right. this fell uh-huh. through, we say, well, we, we we'll panic. Yeah, whatever uh-huh. you want. We'll t- you know, I mean, we, we still have a lot of responsibility to handle the taxpayer's money well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there's, there's a lot of different options that you can do with that area. Mm-hmm. You know, we could go for a unique big box store that is unique to the quad cities because i'm i was always and i'm still concerned that if you were to put a walmart over there sure um i'm not convinced that people still want to just you know if you lived up on 38th street if you still want to just go to the one in moline Mm -hmm. you know for whatever reason uh, i think i don't know how much it would work that putting the same thing that you have right next door is just going to make people come because of proximity. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot more than just proximity affects where you shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we need to pursue unique ideas. You know, what's something that Iowa residents would want to cross over the river and go shopping here? What's something that people in Moline or Milan or wherever 
would want to come to that part of town mm-hmm. to to shop or to do whatever. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of different ideas, and and that would be with staff and everybody else as to who individually to pick you know i mean i'm thinking like a bass pro shop or something like that there's nothing really there's maybe like dick's sporting goods or something like Mm -hmm. that like that in the area but you know with its proximity to um the the rock river and mississippi and um the the boat dock you know um perhaps something like that you know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fishing that goes on over on the west end of rock island Mm -hmm. perhaps people would like that mm-hmm. again i don't know that i have all the answers um but i think we we need to make sure that the 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 company that does go in there is unique and is actually going to draw people to that location right. we don't need uh you know a kmart situation where you put a business and not and not like they're very similar at all but we don't need a business in there that nobody's going to go to because we're banking on the idea that proximity brings people there yeah i know so uh that would just be again listening communicating um seeing what the options are i'm you know i'm not privy to a lot of those conversations as a candidate Mm -hmm. um but um you know as an elected official i would expect to be and would definitely keep an open mind and try to get the business that would best suit that area to come down. I know two of the suggestions that were made in the podcasts in which I'd interviewed the mayoral candidates, Mike Tomes had mentioned, and again, I think these are both good suggestions. Mike Tomes mentioned a grocery store and a bank, which I think are both good suggestions because there aren't any grocery stores nor banks in that particular area, and I think that would serve that population well. Um, Terry Brooks mentioned a sports complex, um, and as... I told him uh, that was one of the things that I was talking about if I was going to run for mayor. One of the things I think that Rock Island could use is a sports complex, uh, particularly one that would house indoor soccer, deck hockey, um, basketball, things of that nature, um, things that RIFAC doesn't necessarily handle, and also things that I think there is a need for here in the Quad Cities. <clears throat> As a soccer coach, I can tell you there's a huge, huge demand for yeah. soccer, indoor soccer over the winter. Um, and the River's Edge can only handle so much. And River's Edge is expensive. They turn people, a lot of people away. Um, it's hard to get in. So I think that there's that overflow of demand that's not being met by the River's Edge. And that's the kind of savvy that you need in you look in looking around and saying, well, what needs either aren't being met or aren't currently being met to the demand? And that's one of those things where I believe there's a demand that's not currently being met and that could behoove Rock Island in not just serving Rock Island, but the Quad Cities in general. You would have people, right now you've got um, Quad City Deck Hockey and it's all the way over on Devil's Glen in Bettendorf, which is a half hour, 45 minutes away from Rock Island. So all the people who are in Milan and in Rock Island and over here on the Illinois side of the river are having to drive almost an hour, depending on traffic, mm-hmm. to have that need being met that could be met right here on this side. Yeah. There's nobody, well, 
River's Edge has limited indoor soccer. Yeah. Fedgeberry has limited no indoor soccer. And soccer is huge mm-hmm. here on the Illinois side of the river. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. there you go. You have two things, which I think there's a, a definite demand. And sure, it's going to cost some, some money to build an indoor sports complex. But I think that's also something that could serve the entire Quad Cities area and bring in visitors from out of town for tournaments and things of that nature. Um, yeah, I, either of those ideas, how, how do they, you know, if those were presented to you, if either Terry or Mike becomes mayor, are those things that you would vote for? Are those things that uh, you know you think would be you know good fits for the city in that area? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm I'm not too familiar with with track, but uh, we do not have a full size. At least I understand that we do not have a full size track in the entire Quad Cities area. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's a perfect opportunity. And that's kind of what I was saying is about I'm not convinced that simply because there's prox- it's, it's close by that Rock Islanders would go shop at a Walmart mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, We need to get something unique that's going to get a lot of foot traffic, or not foot traffic, but car traffic or whatever, um, to that part of Rock Island. And I think that a sports complex, yes, would be a very good idea. Right. Um, not to mention you have highway proximity as well yeah, I mean, coming in on that that area. It's perfect for out-of-town tournaments mm-hmm. or what, you know. And then that there was an article in the Quad City Times, I believe it was in the, uh, no, in the dispatch, I, right after the Walmart um, conclusion came mm-hmm. out. And it was talking about how business follows rooftops, you right. know? Right. And, and too often I feel that the city of Rock Island and perhaps the entire Quad Cities get, puts, the, puts the cart in front of the horse where we focus so much on bringing in a business where if we were to focus on bringing in families, bringing in people... You know, again, raising that quality of life so that people just simply want to live here like I did. I didn't move over uh-huh. here because of Walmart. I tell you that much. Right. Like that had, I don't <laughs> right. care if there's a Walmart here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved here because the quality of life that I perceived was much higher. Mm-hmm. So if we pursue things that increase that quality of life, if we celebrate because that's, that's something we do not do here in Rock Island well enough. If we celebrate the things that we like about living here mm-hmm. so that the entire Quad City says, what is, what's going on? Why is everybody so excited? Uh, that's part of this hashtag Mr. Rock Island thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if you get people to move here because they see that there's a better quality of life here, hey, hey that, you know, that, that steak and shake is going to follow. You know, if you put a sport, 100%. if you put a sporting complex on the west end of Rock Island, right. where you got kids coming in, you know, high school teams, college teams, uh, you know, again, I'm not familiar with, you know, Big Ten sports or whatever. Right. But if you get regional colleges to host their track tournaments mm-hmm. and put some basketball courts in there, put some soccer courts like or soccer fields like right. you were talking about, and get some tournaments. Where do all these kids like to eat at lunchtime? They like to eat at, exactly. at a steak and shake right next door. I mean, it's right. we far too often are putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. And I think we just need to sit back and say, what are we doing? You know, uh-huh. this we just need to make living here an enjoyable, um, empowering, and significant thing. And right. then, and then the businesses come. Yeah, you know, it's funny, and that's one of the things we were talking about is the fact that I think that all four of these candidates have good ideas, and that's an excellent example. I think the sports complex idea, as I mentioned, that was something that when I was thinking of running for mayor, that was going to be one of the things I wanted to push for was a sports complex here in Rock Island. 
potentially in that 11th street corridor. Um, And I think you can have both. If you have that sports complex and it draws, then you can also have the grocery store and you can also have the bank, like Mike's, I you know had mentioned. Oh, yeah. I think that those are all good ideas, and you can all of a sudden then you have the steak and shake, or maybe you get the Popeyes or whatever it is that you're going to get because you're right, you've got all this traffic. And that brings up another thing that you know I I know you and I have in common since we're both Bernie guys yeah. um, is <clears throat> the middle class. Yeah needs to be revitalized and not just revitalized but recognized as the engine that drives the economy not just nationally but locally if you have a vibrant middle class if you have a vibrant quote-unquote lower class you know people who aren't making as much they're the ones who spend the money Mm -hmm. we've seen since the dawn of Reagan, that trickle-down does not work. If you say trickle-down works, you are ignoring all available evidence economically that says otherwise. They've tried it. It's a failed economic theory. Every time you do it, you cut taxes on the rich, the money ends up being hoarded at the top, and it does not trickle down to the bottom. But on the other hand, even going back to Eisenhower, great Republican president, the 50s, a tremendous boom era. Yeah. People seem to forget that the tax rates for the highest Americans were, during Eisenhower, it was like 85%. It was insane. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, I would never advocate going to an 85% tax rate or something, but it was. It was some insane amount. Yeah, it, was really it was incredibly high. Um, but you you know you have to do that you have to recognize when have you know there been economic boom boom times within this country um in all strata statewide local national and it's been when there's been a vibrant middle class when there's been a vibrant working class because the vast majority of people are within that social strata and they're the ones that spend the money and when you have that demand when you have people with money in their pockets businesses will follow and businesses will also benefit they will make more money as well Um, as i say to you know it's very simple math if you give one person uh a million dollars and they're making a million dollars a year how many homes and cars can that person buy with the million dollars a year they make now if you give 20 people fifty thousand dollars which is the same million dollars then all of a sudden you have 20 people making fifty thousand dollars and you have 20 homes being bought you have 20 cars at least if not multiple car households anywhere between 20 and 40 cars being purchased you have 20 sets of furniture you have 20 people you know at least who are going to go out and spend money in the community it's really it's very simple math yet people seem to continue to cling to this fairy tale theory that you know well we must cut taxes we must must cut taxes on the rich then one of the things that you know you and i both agree upon and that bernie sanders was talking about is the fact that that does not work um how do we make something like that happen and how do you implement that philosophy on a local level because so often people look at what's happening on a national level and they feel helpless they feel as if yeah i don't agree with any of this stuff but what can i do 
I'm just this guy who lives in Rock Island or this woman who lives in Rock Island or, you know, whatever. I'm just this person who, you know, has this opinion. And there may be other people who agree with me on my Facebook, but, geez, what can we do about it? Right. What do you suggest having been someone who has studied these things who has looked into these things who has been active socially active and politically active in regard to this and is someone who is stepping into the political forum what are your thoughts on this matter well uh to to go off of your idea of the giving one person one million dollars we gave one development 15 million dollars what could have that been used in smaller increments to a hundred entrepreneurs in the city of Rock Island done you know um, I mean these are pretty big questions pretty massive undertakings that we're trying to do here to rebuild the middle class um, but it starts in my opinion at the local level you know you're, you're completely right that that this is the most intimate and immediate um, level of government, perhaps the township is a little bit sure. closer than that, but we're uh, unique in Illinois with that to some extent. But anyway, um, so what I would propose is that the city of Rock Island, well, it kind of gets into my idea with downtown Rock Island, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's another big issue with Ward yeah. 5. Um, let's have downtown Rock Island become the startup hub of the Quad Cities. Uh, you know, everybody likes to talk about downtown Davenport, but downtown Davenport is getting increasingly too expensive to try to start something new. You know, we have this second, uh, Shops on Second, right next door sure. here. That is a wonderful example of what we should be doing. We have Shops on Second directly to the north of us here in Theos, mm-hmm. where it's, an, it's a business incubator mm-hmm. where, you know, Joe the plumber, the little guy, has, I I could think I could start a business and start out there, get your name out there, get your business going. Directly to the south of us is Switch Stance Skate Shop, Mm -hmm. which started at Second Second Shops as a tiny little incubator and now has moved into a storefront here. Uh, You know, it replaced uh, a sewing company, I believe. I Mm -hmm. don't know if they were still in business when they moved in or if it was an empty storefront at that time. But there is the perfect example of helping out that. I, I went to high school with the guy who owns that, actually, mm-hmm. over in Davenport Central. But um, that's a perfect example of helping out an actual family that lives in the Quad Cities. Uh, you know, again, going back to Walmart, bringing in Walmart doesn't... I mean, yeah, you give 400 jobs that I don't know how well they pay. I'm guessing not too well. I mean, it's better than no job, for sure. But... Ultimately, we're still funneling this community's money into a, a family, a business that has no connections to Rock Island. Right. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no reason, there, there's no Walmart Foundation helping out the city of Rock Island, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, let's do the math on it. $15 million divided by 100 mm-hmm. is $150,000. You give $150,000 to 100 shops. Do you think they're going to hire four people? They're going to have four people. They say they have four people. Yeah. There's 400 jobs. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I think, and I think you know, the city tries doing that with their partnership with Renaissance Rock Island and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and that's good, and we, but we need to pursue that. And I think historically, Rock Island has been separate from the rest of the Quad Cities, and that has been our focus. Mm-hmm. We have really had good partnerships with small and local businesses. Um, we need to go back to that. You know, we, we tried the moonshot with Walmart. We tried the, the Hail Mary. 
it didn't work out very well. You know, perhaps that money could have been used otherwise. We, we, there's a lot of opportunities to, to bring more people to the fold, to give them more opportunities. Why are, is all of our information about uh, low interest revolving loans to start up businesses, is that translated in different languages? We have a pretty high immigrant refugee population here in Rock Island. Is that being translated in Spanish? Is that being translated in Swahili uh, for those individuals to perhaps have an opportunity to utilize the services that the city is already providing, but to actually use them? You know, I think, I think that the city does have some good efforts and initiatives to help get businesses going. Right. But I'm not sure how good we're doing at vocalizing that, at communicating that, at letting certain populations know that, hey, this is a really good opportunity. You, you want to open up an Ethiopian restaurant? Mm-hmm. You want to open up uh, you know, uh, the, uh, some sort of food market? Here we go. We can help you out. I think if we were to put money towards those sort of ideas instead of $15 million in Walmart, we would have a much better vibrant local community and that's i mean that's the whole point of your municipal government is to help your local community uh i'm not running for office to help funnel more taxpayer money to an international corporation i'm running for public office to help my neighbors and the people that live here in ward five and in rock island it's not such a strict ward five idea Mm -hmm. but we need to do a better job at at building a community that wants to encourage people that gets people coming together that networking hey i do software coding hey i have an idea for an app get them together mm-hmm. let's do something there let's let's become the technology hub of the quad cities you know we had that again we had that advanced tech and sustainability consortium that was a perfect example of us being the leading edge in technology in the quad cities it's gone by the wayside get them back together, get that going again so that we can become the the place where if you have a good idea, if you have a unique idea, you go to Rock Island because those guys and gals, they'll help you out. They'll, they'll help you through any sort of bureaucratic processes that need you know, the red tape of opening up a business or whatever. They'll help you out there. And I think that would actually help our local community. Right. Well, I, and, um, you mentioned the diversity aspect in regard in, in Rock Island, perhaps being the most diverse of all the Quad Cities. And I, I can't remember what, which candidate it was. What it might have been Andy Rowe or Stephen Tullinier, um, who said that that was something that we really needed to build upon and capitalize upon and need to celebrate is the fact that Rock Island is such a diverse community and that um, there are so many people with so many different things to offer, not just offer within Rock Island, but also to the Quad Cities. And as you mentioned, you you may have these communities um, of immigrants from different parts of the world And that's something that you need to look at is what kind of a population do you have here that's a percentage from this particular part of the world? What are they going to want? You know, is there a restaurant or something or some sort of need that's unmet at this point? That's a business opportunity. That's an opportunity for someone to make money and to fulfill a need in the community for that specific community but then beyond that then you have the people like say you open a restaurant up an ethiopian restaurant and people are going to go and i'm I, I i'm saying this not i'm saying this as an example i don't have the statistics in front of me that say oh 13 of the people you know blah 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 but let's just say there's like 
thirteen percent of the population or something that would is from that general vicinity, mm-hmm. and we don't know that at this point. But you see that in statistics. And you may put that out there and go, well, well, let's help this Ethiopian restaurant get started up. And people, the general public, are going to go, why the heck would you open an Ethiopian restaurant? But if you've done that research, you show that there is this distinct possibility, given the population and the increasing numbers of people, um, that that may serve a need. And then you bring in people from the outside as well. It's like when I went in, I, when I got my master's at USC and I was doing my research, I had to go and do a case study of one of the kids at Rocky. And what would you think would be, I think it's the second highest language spoken in the Quad Cities in regard to, the second highest rising language spoken in the Quad Cities by immigrants? Arabic? No. Mm. What would it? Well, the first Spanish. First Spanish, yeah. Right. That makes sense. But what would the second one be? An African language? I don't know. That's correct. But it's a language called Karen, spelled like Karen. I had no idea. I was was like you. I was thinking it was going to be Arabic or something of that nature. Or French, given the fact that French is spoken by a number, by Haiti and a number of other French colonies around the world. Um, I had no idea about that but that's one of those things that you know the more research you do the more you realize you know these are needs that are being unmet these are things that and any need that's unmet is an opportunity in regard to business now that said you bring up the downtown that's something that you know we've talked about in the past um what is your vision for the downtown here and obviously there are challenges that need to be overcome one of the things one of the challenges is that there are a number of buildings down here that are not owned by the city i think the city would love to do some things with the businesses they own that aren't being utilized but there are also a number of spots that are under private ownership And you can't necessarily force a private owner to do something with that, particularly if it's to their financial advantage in regard to the tax code or anything like that, to continue to keep that building vacant. What do you do in regard to that problem if if you're elected and you're on the board? Well, you you communicate with the business owner, or not business, but property owners, Mm -hmm. and see what they would like to do you know i mean i again i don't know how well we're communicating with anybody current businesses or or former or just property owners Mm -hmm. you know what why are you holding on to this and if it is like a a malicious sort of just tax write-off and i don't care about the community and it'll be in my name and i don't care what happens then you know you try your best to make that as not advantageous for them as possible you know i mean with with my neighborhood we do the same thing with slum landlords you know i mean slum landlords don't care about the community they just want to get the rent check and Mm -hmm. to heck with it you know uh but we walk through our neighborhoods and say that's a code violation right right there you know and and then you really start hitting them hard you write letters you cc the the public works department Mm -hmm. You really start getting some pressure on these guys to do something with their properties. Yes, it's the double-edged sword of the rich and the poor. It's, you know, welfare to the poor is bad. Welfare to the rich wow. is great. Yeah. But, you know, it's you bring up that's exact same thing. It's the exact same philosophy. You know, this, you, know you have a, a building or a house in your neighborhood which is not being developed 
and is causing a detrimental situation in regard to that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And you socially and societally are able to take certain actions to yeah. try and spur development in regard to that and possible transfer of the property to a an owner that is going to facilitate that development or just or just get them to develop it mm-hmm. you know right. I mean, there's no reason that you, we have to be out there and saying you got to give up your property no no uh, not at all yeah, i'm not saying just, that i'm just saying that you know sometimes you know it helps to oh, yeah. create an incentive situation or to find out de- you know incentivize a situation that should have never been incentivized right. yeah. in the first place yeah, exactly yeah um yeah, I think I think downtown Rock Island has some situations like that, and I think that um, the city has kind of pursued that in the past. You yeah, I'm know? not really I'm not really blaming the city in regard to that because I know people in the city, and they've said the same thing, and they've said, "Well, there's only so much we can do." It's just well, so. but at, to some extent, again, with my experience as a neighborhood organizer, when the city says that's all we can do, sometimes you got to keep on pushing them. Right, and my Again, my experience of being a neighborhood organizer, I'm going to keep on pushing them, right. even as the city. Um, I, as far as downtown Rock Island revitalization goes, um, we we need some fresh ideas. We need some new perspective. We we just we need to get people down here enjoying Rock Island, celebrating downtown Rock Island. You know, we still have this stigma. An completely unfair stigma. I agree. You know, it's ridiculous. And uh, (laughs) I've spent plenty of time in downtown Rock Island, even, you know, out until 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I've never once felt unsafe. Admittedly, I'm a white male. You know, I have that case of privilege, but I've never really felt that unsafe here. And I think really a lot of it's just um, rumor and stereotyping that goes on. Uh, from the other parts of the Quad Cities, and I think it's unfair. Now, that doesn't mean that there's nothing that we can't do or that we shouldn't do. Yeah, it's, it's funny to me that people say that about Rock Island, but if you go to downtown Davenport, there are panhandlers in downtown Davenport. Yeah. There are you know people in downtown Davenport that, you know, the same kind of people that people point to in Rock Island and go, ooh, that makes me feel unsafe and right. blah, 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 who are asking for change. Right. And honestly, as someone who's owned, you know, who's maintained businesses down here and produced shows, and I had a theater down here and everything else, we've talked to these guys. I mean, honestly, yeah. I wrote an entire chapter in my book, My Life as a Freak Magnet, about the panhandlers of downtown Rock Island. Did I ever feel threatened by any of these people panhandling? No, I never felt threatened by any of them. They were asking me for change. And, you know, a lot of times we'd have discussions with them and or you just kind of blow them off, and so it goes. It's the same thing if you're in a big city. And, you know, it's not as if these people are nec- or you're looking to mug you or anything. They're panhandling for spare change, you know? Well, yeah, and, and I think the irony of it is we have a bunch of people at City Hall saying, oh, what do we do about downtown? How many of those people actually are downtown at 10 o'clock at night right. on a Friday? Yeah, exactly. no, I think it's a very much a case of people that have no intention on enjoying the nightlife of Rock Island having uh, false assumptions of what is going on down here and then just showing up in you know police guard walking down here and saying oh my goodness this is terrible and you know that's again a case of nobody communicating that is a case of a city saying we know best this is trouble we need to do something about it without 
talking to the business owners or anybody else down here. I mean, the tearing up the plaza thing is another perfect example of the city even though I, I've met with a group of the business owners down here, a bunch of the bar owners and business owners down here uh, a month or so ago, and talked to them about it, and every single one of them, no, don't tear down no, the plaza. Agree, That's yeah. a ridiculous yeah. idea. And yet <coughs> our representatives, it doesn't really seem like it's the case anymore, but you know they were still pushing this. I mean, out of all of the downtown plan that they had developed, we're going to pursue bulldozing the plaza? Right. You know, no, I mean, what? Is anybody communicating here? What's going on? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just a case of somebody who doesn't have any sort of finger on the pulse of what's going on in this area being, uh, you know, in their tower and saying, oh, this is a problem. I, we need to fix it when there's potentially no problem. Right. And you just need to enjoy what's there. You need to celebrate right. what's there. Again, not to say that there's nothing that we can't do about it. But we just have this very much this... Uh, false mentality of how problematic things are mm -hmm. you know it's, it's silly in my opinion um, we need to support these businesses not tell them what we think is wrong and to fix it without any work with them mm -hmm. you know I we need to have we need to have Renaissance Rock Island and then the district of Rock Island you know their subgroup mm -hmm. uh, meeting with City Hall and meeting with the business owners I think it's pretty crazy that the business owners have limited communication with uh, with Rock Island, the, the district organization, nonprofit. You know, I mean, it, it occurs to me that the two should be communicating right. more. Um, so again, like the general theme of my campaign here, we need to structurally change some some things mm. to open up the conversation, not to have the one once a year meeting at the establishment saying, "What do we do about downtown?" and then do nothing right. after that. You know, we, we really need to create commissions, boards, you know, the, the structure, the vehicle in place to get everybody communicating to see what people want. I have some ideas. What, I such would, as? What would you like to see done? I would like to see a, so I don't know if you're familiar with makerspaces. Mm -hmm. um, they're sort of like community um, places where everybody pays $20 due a month or whatever, and then uh -huh. they're able to buy a, an expensive piece of manufacturing that they wouldn't otherwise be able to buy individually. You know, like, uh, hey, I have this idea about printing something with a 3D printer, but I don't have a 3D printer. Well, uh -huh. pay 20 bucks a month, you get membership to the makerspace. They collectively bought a 3D printer, and now, again, little guy Joe has access to a method to producing something. There's an opportunity for business right there, right? So anyway... Take the makerspace mentality of collectively working together to afford things that we can't individually afford, um, but apply that to technology. You know, let's have a, a Quad Cities technology and robotics hub in downtown Rock Island. Um, hey, there's my brother goes to Scott Community College for um, IT, for game development, actually, video game development. And after two years there, what's he going to do? He's going to move. Because there's nothing in this area that, to there's nothing to continue that. You know, in in the Rock Island Math and Science Center, there is a robotics club. We're teaching robotics to to middle schoolers, right. but then at the end of the educational career, you move because mm -hmm. there's nothing here for you. Let's so for the for the 18 year old that's really liking IT, which is the future. 
You oh, know, yeah. I mean, no, come that, on. No, that, uh, we can talk about manufacturing, and we should pursue manufacturing, but technology is a huge part of the future here. Right. Um, if that 18-year-old has an idea for some sort of uh, virtual reality software, but he can't afford an $800 Oculus, uh, the, the equipment sure, that's yeah. required, well, you pay 10 bucks a month and you have access to the equipment and then you can do video. You know, if some kid likes making movies but can't afford a nice video or, or en- editing software, uh, pay your dues and you have access to the computers at this hub that has that sort of technology. And then you got the kid that likes making videos. You got the kid that likes recording music. The kid that likes making robots all in one centralized place in downtown Rock Island. That's a really cool idea. That's networking. That's, mm-hmm. hey... Jimmy over here, he likes doing uh, software engineering. You know, Sarah, she mm-hmm. likes doing um, visual stuff. Let's start a company here. I mean, this is happening all over the country. Right. It's not happening in the Quad Cities. And this is an opportunity for downtown Rock Island to have something where people are, are working together, collect, collaborating, and starting stuff here. Um, and then what do... People like to do after eight hours of working in the shop, working on their project or whatever. Let's go over to Ross Talks and have a beer and you know blow some steam off at the mm-hmm. end of the day. You know that's right. just, that's again. Let's not get the cart before the horse. Let's get people in downtown Rock mm-hmm. Island, and then the, the whatever is going to show up here. Sure. You know the, sure. the the grocery store or whatever. We have one now, but well, yeah. You know. I mean, yeah, I mean, let's you know, let's talk about some of the good things that are actually happening yeah. down here, um, and recognize that um, we're starting up quadcities.com and Taste Buds. Yeah. We're starting up a new event called Taste of Quad City Art, mm-hmm. where we're going to be hosting artist exhibits uh, every other Friday at Taste Buds on Hanrock Island. Here, we're also going to be hosting you know other performance you know art and things of that nature um for the you know small crowds over there at taste buds they have a limited uh you know uh floor space and so there we can't you know pack in 100 people but there are certain things that you can do like writers workshops and things of that nature that suit a space that can fit between 10 and 20 people and so that's what we're going to try to do um and again, that's, you know, just came out of myself and the owner of Taste Buds, Brett Gardella, sitting down and going, well, you know, what can we do? Here's the space that you've got looking to increase traffic. So we came up with this idea. And so us, quadcities.com and, and Taste Buds are going to be doing that. You've also got Black Ram, which yep. is opening up. Arcade Bar, mm-hmm. really cool. Everybody loves, you know, analog. Yep. Well, now you're going to have one in downtown Rock Island. Great idea. Um, you've got the grocery store opening up. You've got a health food store wow. opening up. Again, these three, you know, brand new spaces coming to downtown rock island so there are some exciting things going on down here not to mention the fact that you do have these great businesses that have been around for a long long time like theo's blue cat ribco second avenue cope um you know icons um which used to be copia modern woodman um Roz Talks has been around now for what? Yeah, five years. Um, So, yeah, you do have a lot of businesses down here that have really made it. Oh, Oh, a wine bar is opening up in the old Rock Island Rapids slash Mama Compton space. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the things that we were talking about, I think it was Mike Tomes mentioned that. He said, you know, I think we need to get someplace down here for an older crowd other than icons, obviously, or Blue Cat. Um, The wine bar, I think, is going to be a good idea in regard to that. So you've got the wine bar, you've got the the grocery store, you've got the health food store, you've got Black Ram. There's four new businesses 
that are hitting unique yeah. niches down here in downtown Rock Island. So how do you feel about the fact that things are you know, moving in a much more positive direction in regard to that, especially since this is your ward. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's no surprise. I've been well aware that downtown Rock Island's been a fun place to be. Mm -hmm. I've never had the privilege of living here. I've always lived around downtown, but I've had friends that live down here, and I've spent plenty of time down here. And mm -hmm. I've, I was going to St. Ambrose University in Davenport, living in Davenport, but spending every waking moment of my life outside of work and school in downtown <laughs> right. Rock Island, you know, because I've always known that the, you know, the most unique and interesting and fun things going on happen in Rock Island, mm -hmm. and we need to continue that legacy, and we need to celebrate it. We need to not, you know, say, it's just crime. It's riddled with crime. You know, it's, it's not. It's no, incredibly it's not. low crime down here. Uh, we need to, we need to change maybe some of the festivals that go on down here. Let's, I mean, Day Trotter started in Rock Island. Right. They're over in Davenport now. Yes. Let's make some partnerships. Let's get, let's make you know, let's make this appealing to younger people. I'm 28. I'm not, you know, that mm -hmm. far out. I'm still technically a millennial. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I think I know, you know, with the Garage right. Three, or what we're doing with Garage Three. Uh -huh. I think I have a little bit of a pulse on what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my fundraisers for this is, yeah, we're working on organizing it. But one of my fundraisers for this campaign is going to be a, a benefit show. Mm -hmm. You know, with bands, with the friends that I have that are in bands. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, you know, that just. I have a sense of what people are wanting, mm -hmm. what, what's going to make people want to move down here. You know, um, access to high-speed Internet. Uh, in my neighborhood in Broadway, I'm lucky enough that I live in a neighborhood that has fiber Internet. You know, that's incredible, and mm -hmm. that's a big selling point. Um, let's expand that. Let's, let's do things that are going to want to make young people move here. Mm -hmm. I mean... Young people increasingly want to live in a diverse area, urban and fun. You know, right. they want to be able to be able to walk to a show. It's a perfect night out. If you live downtown Rock Island, walk over, see the show at Circa, sure. then walk over to the or arena. The establishment, yeah, or, or the establishment, speakeasy, yeah, whatever. Any yeah. of them. Mm -hmm. You know, we got so much nightlife down here that is just right. tragically like ignored. Yeah, like everybody. You know, I, I pretty much exclusively do all my nightlife. Uh, fun in Rock Island because there's so much of it, mm -hmm. you know, and not to say that there's not plenty of good things outside of Rock Island. I mean, we live in a pretty fun place here in the Quad Cities and it's only getting more fun. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to be communicating with up-and-comers on what's going on and we need to, we, we certainly need to um, have things for other populations and generations you know let's let's go to these let's go to world relief and talk to the populations the refugees that are coming in here and saying hey do you want to have a vietnamese festival do you want to sure. have a, an african festival i don't see why we're not doing that right you know um i don't think you're making my weekend counts as right. that <laughs> you know that's really good that's actually a really cool idea is having not just vietnamese but just an asian themed festival we have a lot of asian. think about like how many asian populations we have here i mean and the vietnamese restaurant the thai restaurants chinese restaurants you know Japanese sushi restaurants, things of that nature. That would actually be a really freaking good idea. To I mean, be honest with you. Yeah, and I don't, I don't see why we can't do that. Why, mm -hmm. you know, why? We just need, we just need new ideas. Right. You know, we need something. F every, 
As with everything, you need to sit back and say, okay, what's working, what's not working, and let's be honest about mm -hmm. it too. You know, we can't just be smiling and, and shaking hands with everybody and say, yeah, this is great, da 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 da. Right. Like, you know, nobody wants to say, I don't know if this is working well anymore. But in order to continue the legacy that we have here in Rock Island of being cultural, of being historic, of being, you know, a fun place to be, we just got to change things up a little bit here. Right. Um, yeah, I think different ethnic, you know, um, cultural events could be fun. Mm -hmm. I think things like Day Trotter, um, uh, what's going on at Roz Talks. I think Roz Talks could have a much more, uh, a bigger influence on what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's that labor space spot right next to Roz Talks. Nobody really knows about that place, right. but they're doing a lot of recording in there. It's really cool. They got cool bands going on in there. Um, I kind of see myself as a bridge between the municipal government and the people that are already here in Rock Island doing really unique and fun stuff. The reason that people are still coming here, you know, the residents of downtown Davenport still are crossing that bridge and going to shows at Rostocks and saying, man, this is a cool place. Mm -hmm. I can be a bridge between that and the municipal government to try to expand that to the entire city mm -hmm. and that's you know what i see myself as serving right. um as a way to share that mm -hmm. um and we can try things otherwise too not necessarily just young people let's have a jazz festival i know that things like the bix fest and stuff like that happen but you know this is rock island man we're we gotta have more blues let's have the blues fest at schwebert park you know we this yeah, is I the agree. blues I and i don't know about all the the bureaucracy that's involved with that you right. know but i'm just kind of shooting out ideas here right but i mean come on we're rock island this is the park is gorgeous it is. i mean schwebert park is i uh, said that to more than one of the mayoral candidates fantastic park i mean i have i'm from chicago and so i have friends of mine come down and i always you know the weather's nice i take them to schwebert park and they're like wow this is amazing yeah. you know i mean it's a gorgeous park yeah. um and a lot of them will say well do they have local do they have like live music here and i'm like yeah they do sometimes you know but i think that's an underutilized resource where Incredible. they could have a lot more live music and a lot more events at schwebert park because it is it's a beautiful park really and you spent all that money on it so yeah. why not utilize it you know yeah, certainly and i think that's where communities and partnerships and stuff like that's going to come in handy we just need to do a better job at communicating and knowing what people want and communicating with those entities the the day trotters the the you know, the bix clubs um seeing what we can do we just need to present ourselves as a place where we welcome everybody you know mm -hmm. and 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 anything you know you want to have uh, a, a neat jazz show at the Hallberg civic center sure. in a historical home yeah let's do that let's right. do something cool you right. know i mean we just i want to say yes you can't say yes to everything of course mm -hmm. but too much of the time it feels like we just want to say oh, i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know and where we should, I mean, we got to do something unique and mm -hmm. interesting to really make people, because, you know, people aren't going to care if we get a Walmart. You know, the people that live in Davenport and Bettendorf aren't going to care one bit about whether a Walmart moves into Rock Island. People in Bettendorf and Davenport are going to be like, hey, what's going on over there when the Blues Fest is down here or something, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, we just need to do something really, uh, something really unique mm -hmm. to say, this is what Rock Island is, mm -hmm. and this is 
we are not the negative things that everybody wants to keep perpetuating about us. Right. We are a wonderful community, a vibrant community, a caring community, a well-organized and empowered community. Right. That's what I hope to do. And speaking of unique things and taking things in a different direction, let's talk about Garage 3. Okay. Now, Garage 3, it's your actual garage at your house. It is. And you came up with the idea... And well, you know, you can tell me the origin story of Garage Three, but in essence, you decided to start having these little shows in your garage, yeah. and it kind of grew to the point where other people started coming, and you started putting the word out there, and you have these free shows in your garage. Tell me a little bit about it, the origin story behind it, where it's at right now, and also, I written, I wrote a column on QuadCities.com about this, and I was talking about Garage Three, and I mentioned you guys. As a potential, I mentioned you and Garage 3, is a potential um, performance uh, element down here in downtown Rock Island. Would you ever kind of move Garage 3 into another space down here and start doing shows? So go from origin story to potential future of Garage 3. Sure. So uh, I really cannot take too much credit for Garage 3. Okay. Um, it really is entirely the work of my best man at my wedding, my very good old friend, Sean Whitney. Uh-huh. Um, he, he is the one that does all of the booking, all of the real work. Me and my wife, Tia, we provide our garage. Uh, that's about <laughs> right. it. Yeah, now, um, so I can't take too much credit. Uh-huh. But So the idea was birthed out of so, so my friend Sean is, is really into the poetry scene. Um, he, he doesn't do a lot with Spectra, but, you know, we, we kind of work together with the Midwest uh-huh. Writing Center and the Spectra Reading um, series and, and that thing. But anyway, he, he really enjoys poetry. He writes poetry as well. And he had booked a poet, a, a touring poet, which I didn't know still existed. You know, touring poets, right, that's pretty cool. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like beatniks are back. And, uh-huh. uh, and so uh, he had booked this touring poet to speak here. And his venue had fallen through. And this was right after my wife and I came back from our honeymoon. Uh-huh. And we had all of this wedding decoration decor that uh-huh. we had, you know. And we had, so it's called Garage 3 because we have three separate garages in our uh, in our lot in downtown. No, not downtown, but in inner city Rock Island, which is pretty absurd, admittedly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I bought the place. I was like, this place has three garages? Yes, I want it. Um, as a decent mechanic, I appreciate that. Uh-huh. Um, right. But anyway, so we had a third garage that wasn't really being used. It was yeah. just, like, full of leaf bags or whatever, you know? So we're like, you know what? Let's just do this in our garage. We got uh-huh. a third garage. Sure. Hence it being called Garage 3. Like, you know, what's this weird, unique name? And it's like, it's my, <laughs> it's my third garage is the name. Right. Uh, but it's it's cool, you know. It's, it's it sounds so much more exotic than I it know, actually it's is. It's like an yeah. inside thing, right. you know. Like, oh man, what's going on in Garage Three? <laughs> it's just the Parker's third garage, right? Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's it's the DIY mentality, the do-it-yourself uh-huh. mentality of yeah. of there was a need of needing a poetry venue, and we could do it, and it's fun, you know. We 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 don't charge admission. It's really not formal at all. It's Quite literally, me and my wife invite friends, and really anybody now at this point, over. Uh, we've met people in the neighborhood. We've met people in Rock Island and the Quad Cities that just hear about it, and they want to come check it out. It's sort of this underground poetry scene, which is fun. You know, I don't read a lot of poetry. I'm not too much into poetry. I like prose more myself, but, mm-hmm. but it's still it's really fun being part of a community, that, and it's really intimate. I mean, we've had poets 
break down and then cry in our garage and not to make it too dramatic or anything but like it's an incredibly intimate community and that's perfect you know i mean that's what i want to not only for garage street but i want that for my neighborhood i want that for ward five i want it to be a a a community of people that care about each other that know each other that want to help each other out Mm -hmm. um as far as the future of well, it's it's not an insulated garage, so we only do it during the summertime. Sure, yeah, uh, it's kind of nice, gives us a break. You know, mm-hmm. we we put on one show a month or something like that in the summertime, spring, fall, and summer. Um, now the future, again, it's not really my brainchild, and I don't want to speak too much for my friend Sean Whitney. Uh, there's talk about forming something more official, and it actually becoming more of a printing. Um, operation sure. you know we would still probably do do uh, events mm-hmm. but I think the idea might be more going into printing poetry mm-hmm. um, and and publishing stuff like that mm-hmm. again not exactly my thing I don't want to talk too much about it but for the foreseeable future I still intend on inviting anybody who wants to enjoy poetry to over to my house <laughs> whenever we have it you know um, I'm, my, my wife and I are very welcoming, very open people. Uh-huh. You know, we have this 19th century beautiful giant old home, drafty mm-hmm. giant old home. Um, but it, it has lots of spare rooms, and we, you know, we've let friends and people just stay with us that need someplace to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, it's very much a community mentality. We're not running a commune per se, right. but. Uh, it's just, you know, people, it's, that's what it's all about, is building this community, building right. this, this family. Um, it's what I've done at my home. It's what I've done in my neighborhood. It's what I've done on my block. Now I'd like to do it for Ward 5. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, we just need to listen to each other, respect one another, and put personal needs aside. Put glory or fame or whatever. You know, I'm the alderman. Right. You have sure, to listen yeah. to me. Put that aside and just say, What's the best idea? Maybe, I think that technology hub in downtown Rock Island is a great idea, mm-hmm. but if it's not, put that aside. Don't become so fixated that this is my idea and right. it's going to work. I, I agree 100%. For the betterment mm-hmm. of the entire community, if it's not going to work, don't keep on messing oh, everybody not. else right. up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. find a way to make it work or do something else. You know, we just, we need to... We need to be in this for the right reason, and that is to build Rock Island, to improve Rock Island, to celebrate Rock Island. And that's what I have every intention on doing as Alderman. Mm-hmm. What's the website for Garage 3? Just I don't think we actually have a website. Is it on Facebook? It's now? on Facebook. Right. Just search for Garage 3, no space in between. It's Good. just Garage and then the number 3. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, let's get into the whole Mr. Rock Island thing. What did you come up with the whole idea to call yourself Mr. Rock Island, especially since you grew up in Davenport? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I get, Iowan. I get, uh, I get a lot of black. I know. I was going to say. So, so where did you come up with this idea? And, um, you know, what led you to decide doing the, you know, to have the hashtag Mr. Rock Island thing and what have you? Yeah. Okay. So it's admittedly silly. Uh-huh. And right, yeah, it, 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 it appears entirely more egotistical than it you know i'm not no, saying I, that I i'm mr rock island i thought um, it was a joke yeah yeah well it is but it's not so right. the whole mr rock exactly. island thing the whole hashtag mr rock island it's on twitter and facebook and it's everything else yeah well but it's also so i i originally started pairing it with posts that i were making just borderline belligerently proud of rock island uh-huh. you know admittedly no I, i'm from davenport i spent 20 whatever years in davenport um but i moved to rock island 
And right. because there's something about Rock Island that's special, that's right. really worth cherishing. And not that other places aren't worth cherishing, but I really was drawn to Rock Island now. So You were born in Davenport, but you chose to be in Rock Island. Yes, yes. I did. And I, I'm happy that I have, you know. Um, so I would make, I would talk about things that I loved about Rock Island, mm-hmm. you know. Um, hey, my, my neighbor's doing something cool. He came over and helped me install... Uh, window you know we do that in my neighborhood hey if you if you need help with something let me know i can help you out i had my whole neighborhood over in my house this summer ripping off the siding mm-hmm. but just volunteering helping me out you know um and so i'd make a post about that and then hashtag mr rock island right because i wanted it i wanted it to be something where other people can rally and be like hey what's this guy doing why is this mr rock island guy so proud what's he harping about in rock island because i feel like too often the general population is just uninformed about what rock island is and what we do here Mm -hmm. and so if they see a continued mr rock island mr rock island and then reading the what i'm actually talking about Mm -hmm. hey maybe rock island is a fantastic place to live Uh and it get and you know there's a bit of a group thinking mentality of you know if everybody's hating on rock island well i guess my home sucks too you know if 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 i live in rock island and everybody talks about how terrible rock island is it doesn't really make me motivated to talk about how much i love rock island Mm -hmm. so it kind of turns into this big dog pile of everybody hating on rock island right Mm -hmm. um if one person starts bursting through and saying no this is wait what are you talking about this Mm -hmm. is a great place to live right then that person who lives in rock island might say yeah, you know what? If he's saying that this place is an awesome place to live, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I see some beauty right. in it too. Right. And sort of just—I mean—that's what it was about. It was just about a, a, a attempt to change the dialogue of what we have here in Rock Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm hoping to hoping to continue that as alderman. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, just a borderline belligerent love <laughs> of Rock Island. Not, not you know. Certainly there's problems, uh-huh. but just we don't do enough to celebrate Rock right. Island, you know, and, and, and just we really need to have the Quad Cities, the Quad City area, and people that live in Rock Island know that you got neighbors, you got other citizens that just, that care about you, that want you to succeed, and we got your back, right. you know, so. Cool. That's what Mr. Rock Island. Very cool. Um, let's talk about the Bernie Sanders thing. Uh you and I are both Bernie Sanders supporters. I've been, you know, unapologetic and open about it from, you know, I've been a Bernie supporter since uh, the beginning of 2015 yeah. um, before he really started to get momentum. I thought that, you know, he had a lot of great ideas, uh, a lot of great populist ideas that resonate really with a lot of people, whether they recognize it or not. I think that, you know, a lot of people are ready for pop, you know, a populist movement because it benefits the most number of people. Yeah. What led you to get involved with that? And what was it like going out and actually being a representative for, you know, for Bernie and heading out to Washington and being one of the delegates? Um, well, I went out to Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Washington. Sorry. No problem. Um, so that whole thing was just simply, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself, right? Um, I, 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 being a delegate, the number one question that I had was, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you be a delegate? Right. How does that even work? So many people, and this is a part of our national politics, our state, and even our local politics. 
nobody knows how any of this stuff works. Right. Even I, you know, I'm a diesel mechanic. That's my trade. I did go to college, but I went to college for philosophy and neuroscience, mm-hmm. not politics. <laughs> you know, and I'm a diesel mechanic now. Uh-huh. It's not like I'm not a lawyer that knows all this stuff. I've I've had to just for the past several years go to meetings and learn i mean i didn't know anything about robert's rules of order mm-hmm. until i was sitting in the back of city hall just watching being like what is what is this what's going on mm-hmm. i mean it's taken a lot of time to learn how this all works and but that's evolution i mean if, oh yeah. you know everybody should go through that and recognize the fact that you know you can't stop evolving you can't right. stop learning right but i think that there's ways in which the systems can be set up to encourage people to participate and mm-hmm. encourage people to to um, know how it all works. Right. You know, um, I think at the city level, when uh, when a citizen comes up at the very end of a out of a council meeting where anybody gets two minutes to talk, and they get up and they talk, and and the entire council sits back and they have a straight face on, mm-hmm. and the mayor is sitting there and he's saying, thirty seconds, right, fifteen seconds." You know, that doesn't really. And then, and then if the citizen is sitting there asking a question, the response is, this is your time to talk. This isn't our time to respond. Mm-hmm. That's not doing anything for this process that we're supposed to have. You right. know, that's barely doing the, the required minimum by the law, but it's not really encouraging anybody besides people involved in the process already to participate. I mean, with Bernie Sanders, that's a big, giant leviathan, all sorts of issues going on. But one of the main things that really attracted me to him was him saying, this isn't necessarily about me. This right. is about exactly. us. This is about everybody mm-hmm. participating. The whole revolution thing, mm-hmm. it reminds me of the Beatles songs. You know, the, the revolution line gets a little worn out. Right. But uh, the revolution, if you want to call it that, uh, is not dramatic it's just everybody participating Mm -hmm. everybody going to these meetings knowing how the process works knowing how that you can affect things knowing how to ask questions or what questions you should ask you know um so that was the biggest thing i got as being a delegate to the dnc for bernie sanders um it's it's I mean, it was interesting and crazy being a diesel mechanic going to it and all sorts of video cameras and meeting people and whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was that was fun and novel, I guess. And admittedly, there's no real power in the role. You sure. know, you go yeah. up and you vote for who you said you were going to vote for. And, right. And that's it. Um, it's more or less a opportunity to network and celebrate, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it, it was it was interesting you know mm-hmm. there was very much an obvious um you know difference between people that were part of the process and people like me that had just kind of jumped in and said hey man how does this work and and kind of it, it made me think well what is the democratic party and what do we want to be and or even you know the american population it doesn't have to be the democratic party but i think in that primary race you really saw an interesting and worth thinking about philosophical discussion of right. what does it mean to be loyal to your party what does it mean to be a member of a party what does it what does it what does this party stand for and what does it not you know and i think all of those questions are worth threading out right well i think that that's a significant aspect of the zeitgeist that people need to recognize in reg- on both sides mm-hmm. and i know some people it's hard to get past that. I, I posted something about this on my Facebook today in regard to Trump. Yeah. 
in regard to, and I said, whether well, you like him or not, you got to recognize the fact that he, in a lot of ways, was a revolutionary candidate in the way that he moved forward. Definitely. That I don't agree with the racist components or sure. you know the, the negative things that he said, but nevertheless, he circumnavigated the traditional media, and there are things that can be learned from that. And I think that it was the same thing with, with Sanders. You looked at the Democratic and the Republican primaries this year, and you saw a mirror image of one another, where there was a populist uprising on both sides. And you saw the two favored candidates, Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton, on both sides. Because don't think for a second that Jeb Bush isn't the candidate that every Republican wanted at the very beginning, the same way Hillary was for the Dems. Um, but the difference was is that within the Democratic primary, Clinton ended up getting through, whereas in the Republican primary, Jeb did not. And so it created a vacuum, and then Trump was able to come in. But both, on both sides, their support was driven by populist sentiments in a lot of ways. Um, people within the middle class and lower class that were concerned about certain issues. Yeah. And whether or not they made their correct choice is beyond the point in the fact that if you look at the zeitgeist, this is where it was going. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that's important to ponder. In particular, when you look at something like this, you have to sometimes set aside personal politics and look at what happened. And I may not have liked it, but this did occur. And how did it occur? And how can you tap into that and utilize that? Um, as somebody getting into politics, how do you do that? How do you get past to the point that you may have philosophical differences with somebody, but still look at what they did and look at what they may do successfully and say, you know what, there's a reason why this succeeded. How can I utilize this to help further what I feel is a more positive agenda? Oh, it's just, I mean, to that question, it's just basic, you know, political science, you know, figure mm-hmm. out how he did it and do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, to me, the how more, did he? How, well, in your opinion, how did he? he? He tapped into a population that typically doesn't vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everybody talks about the white vote or whatever, but I mean, I, as a diesel mechanic, I work with guys that do not vote. And they still went out and voted for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, same thing, kind of Obama on the reverse side. Right, you know, right. Obama got people that never vote right. to vote. Um, so, you know, that that combined with people typically don't change much. And just like a lot of Democrats that were Bernie Sanders supporters went out and voted for Hillary, a lot of Republicans sure. went out and voted for Donald <laughs> Trump that maybe didn't want him. You know? Right. Um, but then he was able to wake up that sleeping giant of rural whatever you know whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. but he was able to ignite a certain population that doesn't typically vote Mm -hmm. um so i think as a political candidate you try to i mean really a lot of it was authenticity you know i mean even if even if i disagree with donald trump i think he was being pretty authentic and not to say that other candidates aren't well, I don't know if you can say that Donald Trump was authentic or not. But Yeah, I don't know. You, you, know. you don't know. Yeah. But I don't think it's so much what he said, but it was just what fascinated me was, yeah, what fascinated me was the fact that he, he went around traditional media, and he was really one of the first candidates to be able to utilize social media in oh, yeah. such a way in Twitter, which it was powerful. Twitter in chief, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not, again, you know, I'm not saying I agree with what he's saying or that I voted for him, which I did not. Um, but nevertheless, it's fascinating from, politically, from a political science standpoint. Right. 
and you as a politician, how do you recognize that? How do you look at the fact that, okay, well, he was able to utilize social media in this particular way, the same way Bernie was. And the thing is, as I mentioned in my discussion on Facebook to someone who immediately was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're supporting Trump. Well, I'm not supporting Trump. I'm saying let's look at how he won, and, and this is what's fascinating about it. The thing is, is that if Bernie would have won, he utilized a lot of the exact same methods yeah. to circumnavigate the traditional media. And if Bernie had won, people would be saying the same thing about Bernie, yeah. is, wow, he won in this unconventional manner. And I think the fact that you saw two candidates that were so popular and that both kind of followed that same non-traditional path, that's pointing to a different pathway moving yeah. forward in regard to social media. Now, how do you utilize that, particularly in local races, which aren't people don't pay attention to them. No. You get very low voter turnout. Yeah. And then what was it? Like how many people, you know, won, you know, in regard to the mayor's race, how many how, how many votes did the winning candidate how many votes did Polly get last time out? I don't you know. I don't know how many. I mean four to six hundred was what was in the Alderman race. Right, exactly. Know? That's what I mean. I have not many. Forty three hundred people on my Facebook. If all those yeah. people come out and vote, then you know all of a sudden it's Mayor Sean Leary. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's, and, it's bizarre. Well, but um, you got to use a combination, right? You know, you gotta you gotta know the traditional method mm-hmm. and know how to pursue new ways i mean just like newspapers mm-hmm. i mean this isn't new per se you right know? this t- twitter is the same thing that a newspaper was a hundred years ago that radio and television right. all were you it's know a different I mean, means of communication it's a different media and it's just a matter of what your message is and right. how well you know how to use it you know um i mean donald trump is really good at 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 pr yeah, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, no media is bad media, or whatever the saying right. is. No bad PR is bad PR. However, right. it is. Um, I mean, he just has a natural knack for it, and I think that way. I mean, that's how he sustained his business career. He sells a brand. He sells himself, mm-hmm. and now he sold it to the ultimate audience mm-hmm. of you know being president. And to some extent, uh, things like presidential races are. They, they turn into zeitgeists of their own. They turn right. into their own sort of hashtag, right? Mm-hmm. And local races aren't the same because they're so much more intimate that you know them. You sure. can't be a hashtag because I'll meet you at the coffee shop and I'll see if there's whatever the yeah. substance is there or not. Yeah, exactly. So local races still rely heavily on knocking on doors, mm-hmm. going and meeting people, going to different clubs and organizations that, you know, I'm going to as many neighborhood in the in ward five as i can to say hey i mean that's ultimately who matters the neighborhoods right. you know businesses and everything else they matter too but neighborhoods vote um and so you got to go to them too now you can use social media mm-hmm. and the internet to lay out maybe more of the detail you right. know like when i'm meeting people i'm saying hey my name is dylan parker blah 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 blah, blah 30 minute or 30 second elevator speech if you want to find out more about me here's my website right. you know but how much of that can you do in regard to social media? It's like I said when we first met. You and I have known, have interacted on social media for like over a year. Yeah. We've talked to each other. But this is the first time we'd actually met in person. Yeah. But there's that line. you know, Which is more valid? Is it just as valid to have a friendship or to have an acquaintanceship with somebody online as, there is, as it is in real life? And will somebody vote for you in regard to that um just due to the fact that they know you virtually um no i think i think you still need to know them 
not necessarily face to face, but they have to still be present. Right. You know, um, you, you can't. I mean, you, you can't just exist on Facebook and hope to win. Sure. I mean, it can be a message to meet people or whatever, but. I mean, voting is an intimate thing. It's right. not like I have lots of Facebook friends that I like just because they post funny memes. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, not that I think that they're very qualified to run the municipal government mm-hmm. of which I live in. You know, um, I do. I mean, I do use social media a lot to get out my ideas. I kind of use it as a diary at sometimes or a journal to kind of just get my thoughts out. And I like doing that because it gives opportunity for people to present differing opinions, and so I can hone my thinking i'm not ashamed to say i didn't think that out very well or mm-hmm. i didn't think of this and so i can refine it and maybe come to this conclusion you know i i'm not scared like so many politicians appear to be and maybe this is different about donald trump i'm not scared to say i don't know the answer or hey i made a mistake in my original thinking but i'm willing to hear you out mm-hmm. and do something otherwise i mean we saw that with Hauberg in right. the city recently you know the idea was we're going to sell it and then it was like well wait a minute have we really thought this through mm-hmm. and then they didn't thankfully i was very much a part of the effort to not sell the, the property but i feel that too many people again they attach themselves or their ego to the idea or the platform or whatever mm-hmm. and so then they become that thing right. and they can't let it go you know and not to say that you want somebody who's flip floppy you want somebody who's impassioned and 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 has some core guiding principles and values. Mm-hmm, right. But if if I have an idea like the technology hub, and somebody says, "Well, that's not going to work because of this," and I say, "Well, you have a valid point," I'm willing to say, "Can we work on it another way?" Mm-hmm. Or you know, that wasn't a very good idea. Let's just put that on the back burner for right now. Sure. I think that's what you got to do. And. So I can use social media to get some ideas out there and to get people to notice me, perhaps. But really, when it comes down to voting and selecting your elected representative, you got to be able to trust me. Right. You got to be able to know that at the end of the day, I am, you know, I'm a family guy. I'm a neighborhood guy. Mm-hmm. I've, I hope that through all my efforts with different organizations and things that I've written and all, you know, my newspaper column I had for a while there, that people have really gotten to know the core of my of me you know my guiding principles my values the things that because i can't predict what's going to happen to the city of rock island in three years from now right you know but i can present to you my character and how i would potentially react to certain situations and off of that you make a judgment call on whether you trust me or not whether you think i do have the qualities to make good and effective leadership decisions and that's, that's the part where meeting face-to-face and actually having good dialogue, community, is important. Awesome. Dylan, when is the election? Let everybody know. April 4th. April 4th. And you are mm-hmm. running for? Fifth Ward Alderman in correct. the city of Rock Island. Awesome. Dylan Parker, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Last, any last comments? No, I'm, I'm just very excited. I'm, well, we talked about a lot here. <laughs> we did, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know what else I could add to that. I... I just am very thankful for all of the members of this community that have supported me thus far, that have shared with me their knowledge, their guidance on how to navigate this world of politics, Mm -hmm. um, and that I will simply do my very best to be honest, straightforward, and make the wisest decisions for this area, and that I would appreciate your guys' vote and support. You know, I will do my best.
Awesome. Thank you so much, Dylan Parker, for being my guest here on QC Uncut. And thank you, folks. If you have listened into this entire podcast, it's been very long, but I hope you found it informative, entertaining, and interesting. And as always, QC Uncut, uncut, unedited conversation with local newsmakers. I'm your host, Sean Leary. Once again, thank you so much for my host, or um, I'm my guest, Dylan Parker. And thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you have a great day.